From 12 News in Phoenix, Arizona, this is Downfall. The whole city of China is going to shut down for this game. We're ready to come out and show like the state of Arizona that Hamilton still has it. Similar to what happened in Penn State, people aren't going to want to be affiliated with that negative energy that's going on there. We do believe that there is more than enough evidence. Hell on Earth, you know, would be a good way of summing it up. They're angry. Uh, they're upset that no one came forward. I don't know what I would have done different because we didn't know. I just want the Hamilton standard and name to be clear. Dr. Castile. That's Dr. Camille Castile, the superintendent of the Chandler School District, running away from our cameras. We'll get to her in a minute. The investigation was heating up. Documents were pouring into our newsroom. There was something new almost every day. Four counts of child abuse recommended for each. So All I'm waiting six. for them. No, no, no. Oh. This is just for Steve Bellis and the principal. So initially they said three. That's Charlie Edsidy talking to everyone, producers, our bosses. With the headshots again. Yeah, and we can kind of put that underneath. Um, yeah, so that's that. And then um, the three suspects in the case may potentially face more charges. The same scene played out at least four days in a row. Something would break, a new recommended charge, a sixth victim. Late in the day, we'd scramble to put it all on the air and make it all make sense. Yeah. Look live for 10. Okay, yeah. So that's kind of like the new little nuggets that I managed to okay. get. Yeah. Okay, is this okay. a new update that we need on digital? Yes. Yeah. Let's get it all written up, but let's push it out at like as soon as, as, she, yeah, soon when as she's done up the yeah. air. The first thing that happened, our inbox started lighting up. We were getting a document dump, thanks to our lawyers. But it was unusual. We were getting actual photos of the notes the cops had seized from Hamilton High School. I went through some of them with Charlie. Looking through what we got, there was a lot of angry emails from parents that were sent to administrators. Um, and one thing that jumped out at me in all of this was an apology note that appears to have been written possibly by an athlete because it's entire the note Dear starts coaches, out saying, I just Dear want to coaches. apologize for my action at this one. Right. And I was baffled by this in particular because it references bad decisions, apologizing for my actions this year in and out of the locker room. So that is a huge red flag because this this clearly is involved in what's been happening. That sounds like an admission. Right. And the copies that we have are redacted, so we don't know who authored this letter addressed and we don't to the know coaches. When, exactly, it's not dated. It's just it's got a date on it for when it was taken. Correct. June first, correct, twenty seventeen. Correct. But if it was before the investigation started, then this kid's apologizing for something that wasn't public yet. Right. That the coaches then knew about. Exactly. This is an admission, possibly, by somebody who may have been behaving inappropriately in and out of the locker room. So, you know, that just adds again to the case that the police are building, suggesting, hey, there were adults who were made aware of this but didn't do anything. Again, with emails, you've got emails from yes. Sean Rustad. And in got... these emails, there are parents referencing meetings that they allegedly had with school administrators about this very issue and we're starting to see a trend here over and over that it appears that these that some parents have brought this to the attention whether it was to coaches um, school administrators and you know just based on the level of frustration and anger that has been conveyed through these emails 
they're frustrated, they're angry, they're upset, they're mad, and just shocked that it has come to this point that the police are now involved. Um, looking at this, yeah, it's somebody's handwritten notes from a meeting that they must have held. Um, it appears that there's some listing of the charges that I think were filed against um, Nathaniel Thomas, the individual who has been charged as an adult, next to some dates. Presumably, those dates are connected to when these alleged assaults happened. Back to 2015, so right. that's pretty standard. And then there's it's, an asterisk by videos by kids, which we do know... And blank know, is the victim in the video. Right. Which we do know Snapchat videos, it has been confirmed those were shared of these um, assaults as they were happening. So then, though, we get to the second and the third page, and this is where I think it gets kind of interesting. Whoever's right. taken these notes this first one says can i kick families out yes question mark whatever that means exactly uh off yeah. the team out of the room out of a meeting who knows don't know but the fact that that question is being tossed around is kind of curious as well followed by coaches are not underscore prepared for this kind of stuff i'm assuming that says stuff yeah i think it's who knows probably not yeah um that, I mean, set aside that you're writing this down on a piece of paper, but that shocks me. How are you not prepared or trained for dealing with a hazing alley? I mean, if, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in a sports team. I mean, right. There's no, there's no fraternities in high school, so yeah, right. it's going to happen here. And, you know, I think that's the puzzling part of this entire situation is everyone knows how to alert the police. Pick up the phone, you dial 911. There's a resource officer on that campus. Uh, yeah, so those are the big questions that I think everyone is asking at this point, but we just don't have a clear-cut answer as to why. Why was nobody thinking to involve the police with this? And then the last page, for football, make a list of lockers, locker room supervision, O and D. I don't rotate, know what that word. Rotate, rotate, door, lock, locker. Etc. Something door. Yeah, that's kind of hard to make rotate, out. Rotate door lock, etc. I don't know. It sounds like somebody's making a plan for locker room supervision. Correct. Which, because they said that they can't from their offices. Right. The 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 building known as the field house has been pointed to over and over again as being problematic in providing supervision. Apparently, it obstructs the view that the coaches could possibly have from wherever their offices are. Um, you know, I've never been on the campus, I've never been in that locker room, but based on the reports that have been released about this, that's been a huge issue that the coaches keep pointing to. And and we've also learned through the many emails and documents that have been released that it doesn't appear that there was any supervision from coaches going on in that locker room. Okay, so this one then is Hamilton High School meeting, 9.30 a.m. on the 17th present. Ken James, Sean Rustad, Sandy Cooper, Marcus Williams, Craig Gilbert. So almost everybody that's on that correct, and that I think that legal pad thing. The notes from whoever wrote this is coming from this meeting. From this meeting, so this is the agenda, right? And then those are the notes that it's supplemented. So typical agenda, investigation protocol, blah blah blah, records retention, accountability for oversight and follow through policies and laws, blah blah blah. Okay, that doesn't tell us much, except it's written all over the place with little comments here. Right. One says, boys don't touch each other. Correct. Written by accountability. Then there's, and I, I was trying to read this, how do we implement, does that look like character testing? 
coaches training. Coaches training. How do we implement? The handwriting is not the best. Tra- so. Right. Yes. Yeah, scribbles. How do we implement coaches, tra- coaches and then training? Down here it says, and it's circled and has stars next to it. If you delegate, follow up with coaches constantly. Yeah. If you delegate supervision, anything. And then right next to that is don't text with parents. May keep it. I think is what that says. Yeah. That's a that's an interesting concept to write down. Yeah. Don't text with parents because they might keep the text messages. Right. Why are you texting something to parents that you don't want them to keep? Exactly. John Torgensen is a lawyer representing the sixth victim. He'd sent a notice of claim to the district for $10 million. That's the most any victim has asked for. The notice of claim spells out not only what happened to this student, but how it affected him. I mean, it was heartbreaking um, when you have kids getting sexually assaulted, basically on the watch of the um, under supervision of the administration of Hamilton High School. It is so troubling and it's something that we have statutes to protect them from and we have laws to protect them from and just basic moral compass to protect them from and it's not happening. It was shocking and heartbreaking. Like it was almost unbelievable until I dug into the case looked at some evidence and realized that this is real and this is real bad. This particular claim really gave a very emotional account as to what this victim went through and in reading it for myself, because I've been covering this since the very beginning, it really conveyed what this person went through. Um, And one of the things that jumped out to me was that this victim, it was his first day of school at Hamilton, according to what was written in those pages, right? Yes, absolutely. It was the first day after Christmas break, I believe January 10th of this year, was the uh, the time he was just going to try to be part of this football team. You know, high school's tough as it is. And then to have this happen on your very first day with the social media nowadays and the um, just the bullying that he faced during, afterwards, the blatant sexual assault that he had. Yeah, it was. it's heartbreaking when you read it. And that's what we try to do is give a flavor for this human being and how this affected this human being. There was a Snapchat video that was recorded of this assault that the victim said was then shared by some of the players. And at this point, it's unclear how many people saw that. Yes, I mean, nowadays, again, we're not in high school, kind of luckily nowadays, but I would assume, you know, based on what he told us, that you know, hundreds of students may have seen the video. Again, I don't know specifically how it works. Once it gets put on your story, and I believe it stays there for 24 hours, did some basic research on that. And so, yes, this was absolutely humiliating for him. Luckily, we do know how Snapchat works. Snapchat for dummies. You can send pictures and videos to anyone, and they expire after a few seconds. Like Mission Impossible, this message will self-destruct, kind of like that. You can send those photos or videos to specific people or specific groups of people, like a text message. But Snapchat recently added a feature called Stories. Instead of directing those photos and videos to specific people, you can post them as part of your story for anyone who follows you to find. It's not quite public, you still have to know or at least seek out the person who posted it, but you've lost the ability to control who sees it. Torgensen was saying this video was posted to someone's Snapchat story. That's the first we heard of it being shared publicly. Who knows how many people could have watched it? Torgensen says the victim's mom tried to talk to the administration. She said she even met with Steve Bellis, who said he was going to talk to her son, find out what was going on, get details. She says he never did, and she pulled her son out of school. 
What she did get, she said, was an hour-long meeting with the administration at that point, grilling her on why she wanted to leave. To go through the sexual assault and then to have people more concerned about the perpetrators than the victims, including administration and including fellow students, things of that nature, it was absolutely crushing. On top of that, victim number six didn't actually want to tell his mom anything. She said she had to convince him to tell her what had happened. They haven't been the same since. How are they doing at this point? Because it just sounds like from reading the claim that the victim, understandably so, has deteriorated a lot since this happened. Um, and the relationship between um, mom and son has also kind of gone south. Here's what you have to understand. We don't know for sure how it affects each individual kid when this happens to them. Some people go into a shell. Some people, you know, become, you know, things that they weren't beforehand. With regard to him, he's an awesome kid. When you speak with him, his mom is an amazing mother and they're they're an awesome family. Um, with regard to him now, he is in counseling. He's doing as well as could be expected. He had a very, very difficult year. And then also trying to live with that alone for several months before the allegations come out. That's just a whole nother layer of this. And these, this is a time that is specifically known pursuant to the police reports that the administration knew and they did not t call the parents or contact the authorities. And then the next step is to file a lawsuit. Either they accept the notice of claim, which never happens, frankly, or we will file a lawsuit and then we'll see what an Arizona jury says um, with regard to these claims. We sent in the notice of claim September 7th that new story that came out with regard to the sixth victim came in after that. However, the police reports that we're basing our allegations on are from months ago. So I believe that there's another victim out there that hasn't um, filed a notice of claim yet, but then just went to the police last week. And I see in the paper, and when speaking to the detectives, when I'm trying to get police reports, documents, the Snapchat video, what they say is that this is it's like an, you keep peeling back the onion and it keeps expanding and expanding and expanding. And so it's a lot of work. And so there, there may be other victims. I would probably bet on the fact that there would be. Right before the Chandler School Board meeting, we learned that Steve Bellis had actually been on campus since the beginning of the school year. Bellis still being on campus meant that he could be talking to the kids who were actively suing him every single day. He could be talking to witnesses, other players. We only found out Bellis had been on campus because the district notified parents that they were reassigning him off school grounds. But he's been back on campus since fall semester started. And I was just like, when was that decision made? Who made that decision? Because there's still an ongoing police investigation. The police have said over and over there are potential other victims. Those victims could be on campus. The presence of this coach could conflict with the investigation. So then what's the reassignment? Well, he's now been reassigned off campus. Which brought us to the school board meeting and Dr. Camille Castile, the one person in charge of the district. Dr. Castile? I'm going to just take a second. Can you be available for us when you're done with this? We have a, a reception with all our foreign students. So this is what happens. When does that happen? 630. 6.30. Okay. Thank you. It probably won't surprise you to know that Dr. Castile never came back to us. What also shouldn't surprise you? 
was that there was still no one at the meeting demanding answers other than us. Next week on Downfall, a source comes through in a big way. Oh, this is good. This is really, really good. They've this got the video. Basically provides well, yeah, all the information we did not That's know why about. Another victim comes forward, and the county attorney finally talks. Downfall was produced by 12 News and me, William Pitts. Special thanks to Charlie Edsity and Ryan Cody. Visit Downfall online at 12news.com downfall.